from John 1. The very next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and yelled out, Here he is, the Lamb of God. He forgives the sins of the world. This is the man I've been talking about, the one who comes after me but is really ahead of me. I knew nothing about who he was, only this, that my task has been to get Israel ready to recognize him as the God revealer. That is why I came here baptizing with water, scrubbing sins from your life so you can get a fresh start with God. John clinched his witness with this. I watched the spirit like a dove flying down out of the sky, making himself at home in him. I repeat, I know nothing about him except this. The one who authorized me to baptize with water told me, the one on whom you see the spirit come down and stay, this one will baptize with the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what I saw happen, and I'm telling you, there's no question about it. This is the Son of God. The next day, John was back at his post with two disciples who were watching. He looked up, saw Jesus walking nearby, and said, Here he is, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him and went after Jesus. Jesus looked over his shoulder and said to them, What are you after? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? He replied, come along and see for yourself. They came, saw where he was living, and ended up staying with him for the day. It was late afternoon when this happened. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John's witness and followed Jesus. The first thing he did after finding where Jesus lived was find his own brother Simon, telling him, we found the Messiah, that is Christ. He immediately led him to Jesus. Jesus took one look up and said, You're John's son, Simon. From now on, your name is Cephas, or Peter, which means rock. This is the word of the Lord. January 6th was Epiphany, one day. It's really in the, the Christmas calendar, the Christmas season, that Epiphany occurs. And Epiphany, really, in traditional sense, it's a, it's a creation of the church. It's not, Epiphany doesn't show up in the text. But it's a reference to the appearance of Jesus to the wise men, to these visitors from the east that came looking for him. So most of the time when people celebrate Epiphany, probably on the sermon nearest to Epiphany, this was on a Friday, they'll have a text about the, the wise men coming. But I would like to, uh, maybe I should define Epiphany for, further. Epiphany means appearance. Epiphany means manifestation or discovery. Have you ever said, Boy, I had an epiphany yesterday. And we understand what you mean is that you discovered something or you had a thought that you'd never had before. That's an epiphany. But I'd like to suggest there's more epiphanies in the Gospels than just that one event. And I want to play with that. I want to nurse that for a while. And I want to ask you at the end of the sermon, what is your epiphany? 
When have you experienced epiphany in regard to Jesus? So I think the first are the shepherds. The shepherds are out in the field, they're tending their sheep, they're minding their business, and all of a sudden, these angels interrupt that reverie. That nighttime just explodes in all of this commotion. And these angels come to tell these shepherds, by the way, shepherds were not romantic characters. They're not how we... We think of shepherds, you know, sitting in the sheep in the in the field with their sheep playing their harp. Uh, the shepherds were the lowest of the low. They ranked with tax collectors in terms of their their value to the society. This is who the angels show up to. I just think that's really really interesting and neat. And the shepherds follow the instructions and go into Bethlehem and first epiphany see the babe and then there's these wise men we don't know a lot about those guys we only know that they're probably from Persia they're sometimes they're called kings we three kings of Orient are we don't know how many of these wise men there were by the way Somebody just arbitrarily, because of the, the gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, oh, there must have been three, three wise men. Well, maybe it was more than that. Maybe that's just what the group brought were those three gifts. And they go in, and, and they find the Christ child. And Herod finds out that the wise men have tricked him and they'd gotten out of Dodge and didn't give him the spy information that he wanted about where this kid was. And so Herod orders soldiers to kill every male child two years and, and younger. So it kind of plays with your mind. You start to think, well, you know, in, in Matthew, this is all collapsed into this little tiny area, and yet here's Herod talking about, I'm going to find everybody two years and younger. So the wise men, we don't know how, at what point they, they show up. It is sometimes later than his birth. They weren't there with the, uh, the shepherds as our nativity scenes show them. And then there was Simeon and Anna. Mary and Joseph uh, take uh, Jesus to the temple for, for purification. There were some ceremonies that they had to follow. And Here's this old man and this old woman who are shuffling around the temple and they're looking, they've spent their whole life looking for the consolation of Israel, the Messiah. That they believed that he was coming and so they stay there expectant. And I read one article describing Simeon going around looking in every little blue blanket to see if this was Messiah. I love that image. Epiphany. Simon says something like, Wow, I've seen it. I can die now. So great to him was this epiphany. Well, Joseph and Mary wait nine months. You know, Gabriel shows up and he talks to Mary and he says, you're going you're gonna to give birth. You're pregnant right now, whether you knew it or not. 
And so they spend nine months waiting. You know, they had to be dying of curiosity because of what Gabriel had told them. Can you imagine what it would do to your head if an angel stood in your bedroom and said, you're going to give birth to Messiah? Well, that would turn your apple cart over, I'll tell you. So they wait their nine months, and the child is born. And I just have to believe that Mary and Joseph are going, what does this mean for us? What is this kid going to be like? I don't mean to see to say as, as this child grew up that he was levitating pets of other children and doing magic tricks. And I, uh, I don't think that. I think he grew like any other child did. But it seems to indicate in Luke 2 that the child was growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, and everybody kind of liked this kid. They kind of realized that there was something precocious about this kid. Wow, your kid knows algebra. That's amazing to me. You get my point. But they note, they note the growth of this child. I think that's an epiphany. I think that's a discovery. I think it's starting to unfold for them just what exactly Messiah meant. Not fully, but sort of. Right after the description of Jesus' birth and his growth and all of that, text tells us that Mary and Joseph went to, to Jerusalem, and Jesus may have been about 12 at this age. This is when you do bar mitzvah, is age 12. In Jewish faith, it's kind of the, age, the coming of age for, for a young boy. And so they go to, to Jerusalem, and they go to the festival, and they went with a crowd, no doubt. You know, you wouldn't want to go that distance by yourself. And so it's, they, you know, it's a walking party all the way to Jerusalem. And they're done, and now they all head back the other way to Nazareth. And somewhere out of town, somebody says, Where's Jesus? That kid... Oh, he's probably over there with the, the rest of the kids, you know, playing soccer or something like that. He'll be fine. But Mary and Joseph can't find him. So they go back to Jerusalem and they scour Jerusalem. And they find him in the temple sitting with the leaders, the religious teachers. Twelve years old. Twelve years old. And he's with the old guys talking theology. Epiphany. Can you imagine how Mary and Joseph felt when they walked in the temple and they saw that? And Mary scolds him and says, you've scared us to death. And Jesus says, Mom! Don't you know that I'm to be about my father's business? 
Epiphany. Well, when Jesus was about 30, skip through, you know, the Gospels leave a lot out, don't they? He was baptized by John the Baptist. John was Jesus' cousin. In fact, uh, Mary, his mother, and Elizabeth, his aunt, uh, are both pregnant. They're both older ladies. No, Mary's not, excuse me. Elizabeth's an older lady. And, and it's pretty miraculous that she's pregnant, but she's got John the Baptist in her belly. So John was probably a few months, several months older than Jesus, but they're near, near to the same age. So at age 30, Jesus tells John, hey, I want you to baptize me. John says, I should be baptizing, I should be baptized by you. you. You got this all wrong, all backward. And Jesus insists, and John does. And God puts his imprimatur on that. God says audibly, This is my beloved son. Epiphany. All of a sudden, things change. There's, there's this new sense of who this Jesus was and what, what his life meant. I think it was the first time anybody had made that connection. This child that they had watched grow up was arguably a pretty neat kid. But it was this baptism and this statement by God that this is my son, that people began to understand so. This same statement was made again at the Transfiguration. This is in Mark chapter uh, 9. Uh, and then later, John the Baptist was put in prison because he had said uh, some things that made Herod mad about his marriage. Actually, it wasn't Herod that really is the cause of this. It's Herodias, his brother's wife that he's married, says, I want John's head on a platter when she was asked what she'd like for her birthday. You don't mean go to Macy's or... Nordstrom? I mean, isn't there something that, that you like? I can even order it online, you know? No, I want his head on a platter. He hated John the Baptist. Well, before, before this happens, John's in prison, and he's not so sure about Jesus now. Scripture doesn't say why. I wonder if it's because he really expected Jesus to do something about Rome, and if he had, he wouldn't be in this prison cell. Something like that, maybe. And um, it seemed to John, I think you could say, that 
John was thinking that the two of them are working on entirely different things, that they're not really as together in their mission as he thought they were. And so John, in prison, calls a couple of his disciples, and he says, I want you to go ask that Jesus guy if he really is who he claims to be. I want to know that. Before I die, I want to know what he says says about that. The other side of that question, the other part of that question is, or, or should we, we, we be expecting someone else to come? What's the story here? Jesus responds to John's question. Go and tell John what you see and hear. Go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear and are raised. The poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who doesn't take offense at me. All epiphanies. All sort of lights coming on. As people are getting to know who this Jesus is. Our age could be having its own epiphany as well. Uh, in the spirit of the ancient John the Baptist, I can hear the 2023 version of John's question. We thought the megachurches were going to be the answer. We thought that uh, calling... Uh, the president calling us in to pray with him was going to be the answer. We thought being treated preferentially in the public schools was going to be it. We thought it was going to be local governments and economic advantages were going to be the indication of God's favor on us. Are you the Messiah, or are we to look for someone else? I had an interesting talk about uh, to a woman this morning on the bike path. We were, we were talking about this, this whole thing of how God works in our lives. And, uh, I think we all all do that. She, she had said some things rather definitively and I, I didn't engage her. It wasn't the place to do that. But I, I said, you know, I, I said, I'm a believer. I, I really believe. But I said, I have some big questions to ask God. And I think that's what what was happening here? John says, hey, Jesus, I've got some big questions to ask you. Are you the one? You're, you're not doing what I expected you to do. You, you didn't fit my description of Messiah. I think today people would say, will say, say, 
we thought we could demand our way, force our moral code, specify who has a right to speak, rule, write. But it's not going our way, Jesus. Are you really the one? And then Jesus quotes from Isaiah and tells us that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is anyone who takes no offense in me. I, I read that Isaiah text, and then I read the text in the Gospels. And I see this collaboration between those two texts. Epiphany. It's like I, I have greater insight into who the Lord is and what the Lord is doing. We receive a modern epiphany that upends everything that we thought and strived for. So what, what is your epiphany? Where has God appeared in your life and shown you things that you had never really considered before? Are you like I, like John the Baptist, at times going, I don't know. What's this all about? I hope you have a, an epiphany. I think it's possible that uh, you could have even been baptized and not had an epiphany yet. The lights didn't really come on. I think you... You kind of know that when people's lives change, when their values change, when their direction and their goals change. Epiphany. So, may I challenge you to, to think today and tomorrow and through the week about what your epiphany is, where you've seen God, what you think about Jesus. Turn that over in your mind. John was certainly doing it. And I think the disciples were. Let's pray. Oh Christ, how surprised we are. Maybe as John the Baptist was. We thought we were to here to build a Christian nation and convert everyone to our way of thinking. But everyone tells us that our numbers are shrinking and not growing. And you tell us that you're what you're interested in are the blind, the lame, the lepers, the deaf, and the poor. It calls for a different gospel than we've been preaching, Lord. Please help us. Open our eyes. May our final epiphany be when we see you returning to us in glory and compassion, leaving out only those who want no part in your identity. Help us, we pray. 